From our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Welcome to the big event and welcome to the intro, Tony Bravo. Bless you, Peter. <laughs> Bless you. We're inducting Sister Act into the SF Cinema Greatest of All Time. Beth Spotswood will be here as well. I know you're two huge Sister Act fans. I'm feeling a little intimidated. Uh, I'm worried this entire podcast is going to be you and Beth breaking in a song, and I'm not going to know the words. If you are in doubt about any of the words to these Motown classics, Peter, you just follow Sister Mary Lazarus' lead. She will direct you. I, I'm ready for that. Um, it's going to be a very musical podcast. Can we get it started with a little I Will Follow Him? So we're getting deep into Sister Act. We'll talk about the production, the filming in Noe Valley at St. Paul's Church. We are spilling so much sacrificial wine during this podcast. We are getting back in the habit to talk about one of my all-time San Francisco favorites. Excellent. Um, Sister Act 1, celebration of a movie that was an incredible box office hit, but somehow is underappreciated as a San Francisco movie. We're your concierge for culture in the Bay Area. This is the most Bay Area podcast in Bay Area podcasting history. I'm working out some taglines, Tony. Hella Bay Area, Peter. Hella Bay Area. Hella Bay Area. I'm Peter Hartlob, and this is The Big Event. Welcome to The Big Event, Tony and Beth. Sister Act, we've been talking about this. It's here. Your thoughts, Sister Act. Hail, girls. Hail, Mary. What's up? <laughs> Peter. <laughs> Something about Jerusalem. Uh, I don't know this movie as well as you guys do. Well, I believe this was one of the things that Beth Spotswood and I initially figured out we had in common many a year ago when we were coming up in the media landscape, and we've been friends ever since. Our love of Sister Act. Sister Act is still bringing people together. 25, 26 years later. I feel intimidated because I've watched, I watched it when it came out. I've probably, it was on TNT and then I watched it for 15 minutes and then I watched it last night. And you guys know, you're giving me a look already. I feel like, I, like I'm going to be fighting to keep up this entire podcast. Yeah, I think that's accurate. <laughs> how, did, how was your experience last night, Peter? Uh, I enjoyed it. I It's going to come out in this podcast. I think I am going to be the devil's advocate. Ugh. Like, yeah. All right. Uh, so wow. be ready no for that. that guy. No one <laughs> wants to watch a movie with the devil's advocate guy. So you're going to be the mother superior, as it were, um, protesting our Motown choir songs. Yeah, but I'll get the helicopter in the end to go get... Uh, right, Dolores Van Dolores Cartier. from Reno, which uh, I actually did some research. It was originally Atlantic City in New York, but we'll get to that. Um First of all, sentence or two, sister act, sum it up, Tony, go. The sound of music of the 90s. Wow. <laughs> wow. And I love the sound of music. I, I, nine years of Catholic school, the nuns that, I, that taught me terrified me. I love the ones in pop culture, though. All and right. I also lived in a convent one summer when I was abroad in Ireland. And let me tell you, every minute I was there, I prayed that there was going to be a lounge singer on the run from the mob that we would have to shelter as a community. <laughs> Excellent. Beth, what do you think when you think of Sister Act? 
I think of my family. It was such a big family movie and soundtrack for us. We listened to the cassette every morning on the way to St. Patrick's Grammar School in uh-huh. Larkspur and on the way home from St. Patrick's. Excellent. Where it- a nun left in the middle of my... Like, nuns are mysterious. In Catholicism, nuns are much more mysterious, to me at least, than priests. Oh, absolutely. They're rare. Um, and so, I mean, the... The access to nuns was very thrilling, particularly nuns that like sing and cut loose and open up ice cream in the middle of the night and like sneak off to Reno and and no Diana Ross lyrics. Like, yeah, I mean, just the fact that these were nuns that were you know keeping the spirit of the Supremes alive was a very big deal for me. I mean, I feel like this movie maybe means a little bit more to people that have a Catholic background right. and get sort of the mysterious. Thing about nuns, you know, our, our generation, we didn't have a lot of nuns like, say, our parents' generations who went to Catholic school did. We had one nun at my um, Catholic elementary school, Sister Patricia, um, who I'm sure who, she was a hundred then, and I'm sure she's still alive. <laughs> they don't <laughs> terrifying. die. Terrifying, <laughs> terrifying. Well, we had Sister Elaine who left. Oh no! Why she left? I don't know, but she used to immaculate be, she was, conception. She was very fashion forward. My mom called her Sister Mary I Magnan, and <laughs> she—it was just—I mean, this big kind of deal that Elaine left the cloth, but she stayed on as like an administrator. And I still don't know. I would love to take her to the rotunda and find out. Uh, yeah, maybe to. With Tony Bravo, <laughs> I, I I am already have all of these theories about this. With all due respect to sis, former sister Elaine here, well, to did Tony's she long point, for the for the touch of of another Father person? Shanahan? I don't know. You know, we didn't have nuns on the outline, but now I'm thinking. I think we need to throw out the outline because I have nun stories too. I everyone mean, has I, nun everyone stories. should have a nun story. It's not all dead man walking. Yeah, no. My my great aunt, uh, Sister Inez Hernandez, was a nun uh, in a San Jose. What do you call convent. it? Convent. Convent. Thank Which you. Which convent? Abby. I don't know. I went down my and visited her. My great aunt was a Sacred Heart nun. But my my nun, uh, she was so cool. She like went to Sharks games and Niner games, and she went and we we would give her a little bit of money, and she'd go gamble, probably in Reno, which comes up in Sister Act. Um, I had very good nun experiences. Good. So well, yeah. Well, I think to Tony's point, I do think that I was raised very Catholic. My parents are Catholic. I mean, and what in my notes about Sister Act was that it was so respectful of people of the cloth and Catholicism. We don't have the best rap. Um, and in a way that was really accessible to Catholics, to at least loose progressive Catholics, that I thought everyone really embraced it in our family to the point where my grandmother, we showed it to my grandmother, the sister of the nun, and she had to. She decided to make it the movie of the month at the Tamil Pius Retirement Home in oh, Greenbrae. Wow! She what showed, bigger endorsement is is there than that? Right. There needed to be an explanation at the beginning of the screening, though, because it was not clear to the elderly people that someone is shot in the beginning. So they oh. start the movie with an announcement: "Ladies, and gentlemen, we're now going to show Sister Act on wheel in the TV and show Sister Act." But first, it's difficult to notice. Someone is shot, and that's why she needs to hide in the convent. Everyone nods in approval, and then the movie begins. Oh, wow. Well, Sister Act, uh, I don't think it was a confusing movie. It was created to be a summer movie, $20 million budget, uh, Whoopi Goldberg just coming off her Oscar in Ghost. Yes. 
So probably looking for a leading role. Um, initially in Atlantic City, she was going to be in Atlantic City, and I assume it was going to be a New York movie. I wanted to mention that Herb Kane um, broke the fact that Sister Act was going to be shot here initially and then was covering the call for extras. They promised them that there was no pay or it was like $50 per diem, but they promised them free travel, and it was really vague. And it ended up being Disneyland tickets and a flight to Disneyland, but everybody had to pay for their hotel room, and there was a criticism for that. Ah, because it was a touchstone owned by Disney production. So there were announcements that there's a free trip involved and nobody said where, and then there was a follow-up story in the Chronicle about how people were kind of upset that they weren't getting hotels, too. They were just getting the plane tickets in Disneyland. What do you normally get for showing up to be an extra? That's what I say. You got a plane ticket right. and you get to go to Disneyland. That's amazing. Yeah. And, and you generous. got to be in one of the best films of all time right. that and, specifically and deals with the nun community. A timeless classic. A t- really a timeless musical piece of artwork. In a moment, too, where I have to say in the early 90s when musicals were not the thing that was happening on screen. This was a really interesting way of telling a musical story without it being necessarily uh, 42nd Street with people just breaking out into the song in the middle of a of, of a speech or in the middle of a scene. To yeah. have the music all be performed in the church and to have it all be songs that except for a couple of religious pieces were familiar pop culture melodies was I think a genius move we you know most people had a touchstone for those Motown songs that are featured so heavily in the movies so we could all kind of relate to something about it if it was the music or the Catholic experience Mm -hmm. or being a lounge singer who watches your boyfriend execute a limo driver (laughs) having a a purple fur coat, a full-length purple, purple fur coat. It's purple mink, Dolores. Check it <laughs> out. It's purple mink. That's still my favorite line about died forever in a film. Well, it, it seems like a slam dunk. It, it made $140 million, opened with $11 million, and the next week uh, got $10.6 million. It had like a 4% drop in box office week to week, which is like unheard of. Finishes the year in sixth place, probably the most popular movie of the year when you figure what it cost. Opened the same week as Far and Away, which was wow. supposed to be the, the huge movie. But that was movie. supposed to be the huge movie of the week, and then it blew that out of the water. It ended up making twice as much money. You guys brought to my attention the Paul Rudnick story, Fun with Nuns in the New Yorker. Some interesting details in that. My favorite detail is are we allowed to say who he wrote the film for? Yes. Okay, so this would have been a very different film, and I adore this performer. He And, and it, it makes a little bit more sense, though, when you think about the lounge singer choir aspect of it. Paul Rudnick wrote it as a vehicle for Bette Midler. Yes. It makes and perfect sense. It makes perfect sense, although I will say, the thing that works for me about Whoopi as the singer in this terrible lounge is that she's not like a brilliant, gifted singer like Bette Midler is. Bette Midler wouldn't be slumming it in a terrible lounge. It's the same like Liza Minnelli and Cabaret problem of like Sally Bowles is actually quite talented in the film version. She would not be stuck in the Kit Kat Club and Bette Midler would not have been stuck in a terrible lounge in Atlantic City or in Reno as it as it ended up. I think that part must have changed because 
um, it works so well with Whoopi Goldberg being that kind of third-rate lounge singer. But she, even though she isn't a great singer, she isn't Bed Midler. I don't think it hurts the movie. She has a love for music. And they're singing so fast because they have to keep up with the music. And there's the people playing slot machines. And, I mean, it's just so cheesy and true and funny and good. And Whoopi Goldberg's really good at it. And she's good at being, like, the side piece of a mafia, Reno. And also, is there really the mafia in Reno? There is no such thing as the mafia. That is a slander against my fellow Italian-Americans <laughs> that right. was perpetrated by Organized the white Anglo-Saxon media. <laughs> Organized crime in Reno at the level of, like, leather blazers. To, like, there's Vince, who's the boyfriend, and then there's, like, Rocco and some other guy. And Vince played by Harvey Keitel, which is another interesting choice. Um, he, I think Harvey Keitel was under the impression he was in a Tarantino movie while yeah. he was making this. The performance is so intense for a comedy. Yeah. Well, he's coming off of Reservoir Dogs oh, and Bad Lieutenant, which is oh, like, God. talk about intense. And it's before Pulp Fiction and just sandwiched in, in between. Sister Act. Sister Act, playing the. Vince. Vince, the uh, cliched, you know. In good shape, uh, by the way. Harvey Keitel was. He was, the, yeah, he was he doing push ups scene. between scenes. So. I wanted to get to what worked and what didn't work, but I wanted to talk first about, if you remember where you saw it and you love the movie now, if you had that reaction when you saw it for the first time. I was uh, in maybe going into second grade. I think it was over the summer. Um, and I remember seeing it with my mother and my Italian grandmother. Um, this is the Catholic side of my family at, I think, think the galaxy theater the old galaxy nice. on venice the like ice cube looking thing Wait, i miss that that oh, terrible yeah. wonderful piece of architecture yeah and i was totally mesmerized by it i already had the i was already in catholic school i had the fascination with kind of the fellini-esque aspects of my italian catholic culture and my uh both my my mother and my grandmother also catholic school alumni we all Loved it, I think, because in our experience, especially nuns in America, we're not the warm Motown singing um, hip with it characters that they were in this film. It was it was just a very warm hearted family viewing experience, which really made up for the terror of having seen Bambi, the three of us, a couple of years before, which I still have not forgiven members of my family for. So you saw it, you loved it. Uh, loved it and and wore out so many VHSs of it uh, during my childhood that I, I think we were like in that category of eventually like, you know, Blockbuster has has asked that you just buy the VHS at this point. <laughs> You've rented it too many times. I saw it at, I think, I want to say, I saw it at the Corte Madera Theater. Um, the one with the THX sound, it's the it's this like gigantic square theater in Corte Madero where all of the big movies come out in the summer. Is that the one by the freeway? Yeah. By the, you're going down the 101? and Is that where you also saw Miss Doubtfire? Yes, with the youngest okay. son from uh, Home Improvement. A little we bit of a, the big event history here for the big event completists know that that I was I saw also... Jurassic Park there. I saw Ghostbusters 2 opening night there. Anyway, I saw it with my family and it was really exciting because in my experience... Um, it was very true to the co the complexities of both the fun people at church and the kind of people who take it more seriously, like the, you know, Maggie Smith character. Um, and 
particularly when they would start off with a very reverent song and then it would shift into Motown. I could feel my mother next to me, who is a Mercy graduate, Santa Clara, like lifelong. Um, she's a Eucharistic minister now, like Joanne is Catholic. Joanne's very Catholic, yes. Um, she, Her body swelled with joy. Like it was two things that she just loved so much. In a movie with Whoopi Goldberg and Maggie Smith that's rated PG, you, I mean, you couldn't get any better for the Spotswood family in 1992. And we just, while we're talking about those two performers, I just need a big shout out to Kathy and Jimmy, oh. Sister Mary Patrick. I mean, that is... That and her eventual film with Bette Midler, Hocus Pocus. I mean, she did those two movies. She should. She can lie down and never work again, as far as I'm concerned. Instant legend. Well, I, I want to read, actually, from the Chronicle Review, which is a Mick LaSalle review. But Sister Act is lifted above its formula by a strong ensemble. It's not just a matter of Goldberg and Smith, who are excellent. Kathy Najimi, did I get that right? Yeah. Kathy Najimi all but steals the picture as the bubbly, cheerful Sister Mary Patrick, and veteran Mary Wicks does a nice turn as Sister Mary Lazarus, a tough nun from an earlier era. I was in a convent in Vancouver. No heat, no running water. It was hell on earth. I loved it, she said. So he liked the movie. He didn't love it enough to give it a rave, but... It was positive, but that was what a lot of reviews were. I think a lot of people were afraid to say they just absolutely loved it, but they liked it. And um, I, I was in college, so I was probably that's when I was. You're old. Yeah, I'm old, and I had seen Reservoir Dogs a couple times, and I was probably starting to watch art films and identifying myself that way. So I think I went to this and liked it, but I didn't allow myself to love it. I probably saw it by myself. Um, That's interesting. San Luis Obispo. So, you were, and how old were you? Twenty-two. Going to Sister twenty-one, Act twenty-two. By yourself. Going to Sister Act by myself. Twenty-one, <laughs> twenty-two years old. Yeah, I saw a lot of movies by myself in that era. I still go to movies by myself. I love it. Yeah. I, yeah, you're, you're, I'm, so I'm with getting you. a look there. What? You think it's odd? I would go to see Sister yes, Act by myself. That's something to see with a bunch of people. Or like a child. I didn't he have any children. I was a 21-year-old. Are going to do pick one up on the street? You want to go see a movie about nuns with me, kid? That just might explain a few things about me and Sister Act as we go forward. Fair enough. Things that we liked. What worked? The music. Amen. I'm going to say that a lot to keep in theme. The music worked so beautifully, particularly the blend of really traditional hymns from like art basic Catholic experience of just going to church every Sunday. Yeah, do you remember Hail Holy Queen from church? I remember versions of that lyric, if not that exact melody. I'm sorry. I just, every time I, it's in my head. And yeah. it starts with the clapping, and then I just start singing in my it's head. It's Mark Shaman, right? Yeah. Who did all that. Yeah, yeah who did uh, Hairspray's score later on on Broadway, among other it's things. Genius. Um, and going into Motown, plus tying in the sweet teenager love songs to be for nuns to God, like transferring that virginal love of, you know, Motown teenage love to the virginal love of a nun for God or Jesus. As Whoopi Goldberg says in the film, I mean, you're married to JC, you're his old lady, right? And nuns are married to Christ. That's part of it. We should mention it's the Dirty Dancing director, um, Emil Artelino, who died shortly after this. Oh, that's that's that's, why. That's too bad. Yeah, but 
it's someone who understood music and how it fit into movies and how to tell a story that way. And somebody who does a good montage too, by the way. Yeah, a we're gonna have great montages in oh, this movie. Oh, there's a very good montage. That's on my list. But the music, oh, the montage is on my list yeah. too. I look at this movie a lot like Bullet. It's a great San Francisco movie, but I think a lot of what happens before and after the big scenes isn't super well executed. Um, I think it's a very um, 1990s movie. It feels dated in a lot of places. But I, let me say my nice thing. Uh, I'm getting daggers. You guys are shooting me <laughs> I'm daggers. Shooting I knew daggers. this was going to happen. I just need examples. Okay. I think it's brilliant the way it was set up like a sports movie. I mean, this is in a lot of ways like Rudy or even the Mighty Ducks with that's true, Peter. With music. Like Bullet, Bullet, I think, is a movie that's flawed in a lot of places, but has this 13-minute car chase scene that just elevates the whole thing above reproach. That's how I feel about the Hail Holy Queen scene. I, I think this movie, I was watching it last night and being critical of it, and then it gets to this point where I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm just being lifted and it gets better and better and better. I mean, it earns the scene. And we're talking about the first song that they sing in St. Paul's Cathedral. Everything in the movie builds up to this point where she's able to do this reveal. And then it just builds. It starts that they do it with, with just the classic the hymn. hymn. Yeah. Thank you. And then they do, as Reverend Mother Superior says, the boogie woogie version of Hail Holy Queen. And Girl it just. Groups, boogie woogie on the piano, what were you thinking? So like the bullet car chase scene, it's just building and building and building. And it is one of, I mean, this isn't my favorite San Francisco movie, but that is one of the greatest San Francisco movie scenes. I literally got chills hearing you describe it. And like, I love the people in Noe Valley, horrible, destitute Noe Valley, who hear the music <laughs> across the winds and it calls them to St. Paul's and they, from henceforth go to church every Sunday. Yeah. The teenage delinquent with the one strap of her overall hanging yes. down yes. in the back and the flannel shirt tied around her waist. I mean, first of all, very important fashion moment her. for a young Tony Bravo coming <laughs> of age, wanting to eventually be a style reporter for this very newspaper. But also just, you know, a moment of, of crossing the generations, maybe crossing the faiths. It's a, it is a wonderfully inclusive movie. Yeah. And I have to say the fact that Whoopi Goldberg plays this part and is the one black nun in this convent, I think actually without really meaning to, says a lot about um, what the state of inclusivity was in the Catholic Church at that point. There were not a lot of African-American nuns in the United States. Um, and, and so that's why it was a little jarring that all of a sudden this, not just this lounge singer um, that was having a hard time disguising how fabulous she was, but somebody who was just a different race and from a very different background than all the other nuns there who were all a lot older for the most part. Um, it, it was a, That was an interesting part of the storytelling for me. Yeah, and I, I also think 
in terms of character, I love that framing scene in the beginning with Whoopi Goldberg's character as a young student um, confronting a nun with her love of the Beatles. And by the way, that actress was perfectly cast. The young version of her looks just like her. Beyond. But you get this feeling that her life has been this dedication to music, but she's been hitting these walls and it's not working out for her. And then all of a sudden, unknown to her and unknown to the hierarchy in the church, she's found her place. I mean, this is where she was meant to be, and it's the last place anybody thought she was meant to be. And that's all wrapped up in this great song that just unfolds. Uh, I, I love it. I, I watched it last night and, and rewound it and watched it again. I'm glad it's to a great hear scene. such enthusiasm from you on this, Peter. I, did. I thought I, Beth and I were going to have to take you out back after this. No, no, no you're going to be too critical. Yeah. I assume everyone loves Sister Act. What? <laughs> it wouldn't occur to me to have any problem with it in any capacity. It has a wonderful redemptive message, too, I think, for a character that starts off Whoopi Goldberg's Dolores Van Cartier. Best name um, ever. As, although we, we know that that is a stage name because she is referred to as Dolores Wilson in the opening scene. And she's a child. Wow, Van Cartier. Van Cartier. I mean, I loved it. It was an homage to Van Cleef, Van Cartier, to San Francisco jewelers. Um, I, I thought this this moment of of redemption that we have at the end, we see that she is sort of an inherent, she's a selfish entertainer that's helping a guy step out on his wife that's in it for herself. And at the very end, she's going to take that bullet for those nuns. She's she's not going to let anybody take Sister Mary. Um, the performances are such huge positives for me. So whoopee aside for a second, Maggie Smith is the mother superior. I think totally paved the way for her side-eyed um, Dowager Countess Violet performance in Downton Abbey a couple decades later. Her uh, Nobody does skepticism like Maggie <laughs> Smith. I, I think she's totally incredible. Uh, Kathy and Jimmy as uh, Sister Mary Patrick is one of the, I think she was the great discovery of that film. And I, I wish that she had gotten to go on and just do a whole series of Sister Mary Patrick adventures, quite frankly, like The Flying Nun. It could have been the, the ongoing adventures of Sister Mary Patrick. And um, certainly uh, Sister Mary Roberts, um, the, the, the idea that um, Whoopi's flashy, slightly vulgar character helps get this sweetly naive nun to come out of her shell and embrace this tremendous gift that she has and this beautiful singing voice. I'm getting teary. I'm getting like teary (laughs) talking about this. This is very like up with people, inspirational. I think Mary Wicks too. uh, Sister Mary Lazarus. Sister uh, Sister Mary Lazarus as the old school nun. And then... um, I don't know who played the piano playing. It's Alma. Alma, Alma. Turn your Alma battery tech on. your battery. And I mean, it's a small role, but. Um, small but pivotal. Small but pivotal. <laughs> Again, it reminds me of, of watching a sports movie and you have all these characters that in some cases are one note characters or two note characters, but they like the all. The old coach, the old base coach. Or... It's, it's not necessarily about their characters. It's about the interactions. And I think it, I agree with you. It was very well cast. On Mary Wicks, I want to just say she had a really storied career in Hollywood, including having done a couple of movies with Betty Davis um, and the Betty Davis sitcom, which very few people know about. And she's the Sister Mary Lazarus type in her career. Sassy, strong, talks back. Pri- the film role that I think she's otherwise really well known for, aside from Sister Act, is she plays Shirley MacLaine's mother and Meryl Streep's grandmother in Postcards from the Edge. Oh, you're right. Written by 
Carrie Fisher. Did not know that. And we, I don't think we mentioned it as part of that uh, Paul Rudnick right. New Yorker article that Carrie Fisher, Paul Rudnick wrote this article basically talking about how he ended up taking his name off this thing. Not that he was that mad, just that all these writers kept coming in and rewriting it, and he felt like it wasn't his anymore. One of those writers... Was Carrie Fisher, who was a famous script doctor in Hollywood, behind the scenes, not very well known, um, because they wanted it that way. Um, She had her hand in a lot of great films, and there are moments of... There are one-liners and moments of sarcasm in here that read like... Total Carrie Fisher. Yeah, if I you wonder know her which voice. ones. I'd be very curious to know exactly what Carrie Fisher's contributions to Sister Act were specifically. Yeah, I, yeah you know, I was watching sense. it last night and I was wondering myself. Yeah. Uh, other things you, you liked, Beth. I liked the relatability to Catholicism. The priest was very, like, that. those are the Catholic priests that I grew up with. Kind of like, didn't want any trouble weren't creepy um just were go- wanted butts and seats were you know if if you want to try something new go for it i loved that it was in san francisco although the noe valley scenes didn't get to me as much as the reno scenes did just because i went to reno a lot <laughs> as a kid it's a movie that's really stood up and and um, stands out, I think, in the pantheon of San Francisco comedies, specifically if we want to look at that side of San Francisco films. I would actually put it up there with What's Up Doc in terms of um, not necessarily the use of San Francisco, which is, I think, the second greatest chase scene in San Francisco after Bullet, but um, the way the way that um, certain little tropes and things uh, within kind of this Catholic world that they established in San Francisco continue to to resonate. And the fact that Drag Nights and Grace Cathedral and other places continue to use this film as part of their programming and part of their outreach, I think says quite a bit. Um, Latrice Royale, years ago with Peaches Christ, actually did a drag version of this called Mr. Act. Uh-huh. Latrice, Latrice Royale, of course, of RuPaul's Drag Race. Which I thought was quite, uh, which is quite good. It doesn't take a lot to turn this into a drag performance, by the way. Which I think is a, is a good sign because great iconic performances are sort of easy for drag queens to latch on to. Well, and that New Yorker, New Yorker article, which I assume you'll be linking to, because it's so funny. It's a really good read about how the concept for Sister Act was developed and the research he did. And he went to a convent and he chatted with the nuns and the nun working at the gift shop at the convent I think has to be the inspiration for Sister Mary Lazarus the angry nun but didn't he say in the first paragraph of that that he was thinking about drag and kind of like playing with the concept of drag and that led him to nuns which is a very easy connection uh-huh. and then he got into the a nun having to hide out in a, or a, a trashy lounge singer having to hide out in a convent In that article, doesn't he also talk about one of the more interesting entertainment industry um, Holy Orders crossovers, Sister Dolores Hart, previously songwriter, actress Dolores Hart of, I believe, a couple of Elvis movies. She was happy in her new life as sister. Yeah. Good for her. Nuns. Endlessly fascinating. (laughs) Well, I I wanted to get to the negatives, too. And I should open this by saying um, our editor-in-chief, Audrey Cooper... Um, came on the Milk podcast, not a fan of Sister Act. I'm going to play her um, 
barrage her attack on Sister Act right now, and then we can respond to that. But also, I have a few criticisms of the movie. You may not, but you can respond to mine. Here's Audrey. It is a terrible movie. <laughs> what? I'm sorry, but it's terrible. Tony Bravo has requested Sister Act for induction. You know, the music. I, I would never so say fun. Tony has bad taste since he is a style reporter, but in this, I will say terrible taste. <laughs> okay. Did you cry... Audrey Cooper, when Whoopi Goldberg got the nuns to sing good enough and the people started coming in and they started sitting down and the people came from the streets. No, no, <laughs> I did not. And not only that, but I realized, I didn't realize until rewatching it that this church is in Noe Valley and they make it look like it's in the worst part of Queens ever. <laughs> it's like, it's so ridiculous. The very premise. So. I'm not going to make you respond to that. I will be the one who is sent to the Antioch Bureau because of this podcast. We have an Antioch Bureau? They'll they'll make one for me. El Sobrante Bureau. Um, I totally disagree. I don't know how you can, you know, I don't don't know how you can watch the Hail Holy Queen scene and just not be taken in. But I I do agree on the the Noe Valley. Um, I even will take it to the level that it's hard to even call this a San Francisco movie because there's no sense of place. I mean, the one place that it takes place in is completely redone to make it look like something that it isn't. Right. I live in Noe Valley and Noe Valley has had a, has had a long, interesting history of being a, um, an Irish neighborhood for a long time, a big leftist neighborhood. But to my knowledge, it never looked quite the way that it was portrayed in the movie. And, and that's my criticism more than, you know, Audrey, she, dislikes the whole movie my criticism (laughs) is of what they did to noe valley and it's part of my problems with the movie it's this 90s thing where they presented what they thought the audience's view of a bad neighborhood is and and they did this in reno too what the audience's view of a nightclub singer and a crowd is and i i just had to sit and laugh at the like these burnt out cars in a video arcade. There's a video, Neil's video arcade. There's a video arcade there. And yet the streets are, the, the accuracy of San Francisco is not there. There are no, the streets are like immaculate. The music in the beginning when it's not none singing, it's the very 90s, you know, Beverly Hills Cop 3 type of music. I mean, they just everything about this, except for when they're singing and in the convent it feels like they're just throwing it together as quick as they can it's not a, a really well-made movie outside of those great scenes I that's think the my world feeling. of the convent is beautifully established and i agree that the stuff outside of it but in a way that worked for me if these are cloistered nuns like their their world would be that convent and you know eventually um they open it up to the na- the neighborhood around them right again cloistered nuns Endlessly fascinating because not only are nuns rare, but cloistered nuns are even more rare, especially in a big city. Okay, now at the neighborhood aside, I'm letting it go. I totally get that like a nun would be standing in front of, in fact, selling raffle tickets. The moms at St. Patrick's, where I went to grammar school, would go into the Silver Peso, which was that all day bar down the street, and try and sell tickets and wrapping paper and stuff for kids. And they would go around to these people drinking at 10 o'clock in the morning. And kind of shame them into supporting the Catholic kids up the street. All right. All right. I, it's adorable. I don't hate the movie. I just, I don't think it's a, a, a particularly well-made movie 
outside of those scenes that really soar. And I mean, the whole ending with the, they're chartering the helicopter. I mean, it just seems like they wrote that on a cocktail napkin in a few minutes. Like, oh, we got to wrap this movie up. Oh, that's a great scene, though, where the nuns all shame the helicopter pilot into taking them. You know, dear God, do not send this driver straight to hell. I see. I the end scene is the Pope. Yeah. It's not. That's the, a nice scene. It's just, a nice play on the real everything visit with the, the mobsters had. in the Reno seems thrown together quickly. It, it just it's nineteen. It, it would be a second rate nineteen nineties movie if that was what it was. Okay, but Peter. Yes. You are a big city film critic. Okay. This movie was made by five hundred people at Disney. No one was trying to Miramax this. They were trying to make a cheesy family blockbuster. And the beauty of Sister Act is that it became so much more than that. Like, the, no one was trying to make the Reno scenes very well thought out or beautiful or make very much sense if you weren't 12. But the fact that it's, like, stuck around for so long and means so much to so many people, kind of, it transcends this cheeseball comedy into an American classic. <laughs> Certainly, an, an American stop Catholic gr- classic at the very least. I'm going to stop Grinching, Sister Act. I like the movie. I like it a lot. Um, loose ends. Local Jimenez? local reporter Bob Jimenez. You never oh, see yeah. has a cameo. He, he has a cameo yes. in this. Even the local reporters. Yes, he does. <laughs> okay. I want to know what was going on with Whoopi Goldberg and the police officer. Was because in the New Yorker article where I learned so much, that's supposed to be a love interest. I, in my youth, and even in adulthood, never picked up on the fact that they were supposed to have a little flirtation. In the Whoopi Goldberg-produced musical adaptation, stage adaptation, that is actually a point that they address, is that the the sergeant is in love with Whoopi Goldberg's character. Did you get that from the movie, though? I did. It's very subtle. I I got a subtle thing I imagined in my Sister Act fan fiction that I would have written after this that they got together. Well, are we going to talk about Sister Act 2 now? Because then I've got some problems. We'll, we'll get there. We're going to – just one more shout-out from me and any others you want. Um, the montage. So you have Hail Holy Queen followed by the montage. Just a touch of love. Just a touch of love. Just, just a, a touch, touch of love. CNC Music Factory – um, How think, much more 90s could we get? That is such a 90s scene, but it's so well executed. Um, and you've got the nuns going out and fixing the place up. They've been wanting to get out and meet with the people. And um, there's just a lot of little... Well, and there's that line from the, again, New Yorker article, where one of the Hollywood producer VP types says, can we have a montage where Dolores and the nuns bond while painting a colorful anti-drug mural? <laughs> And like everything about that appeals to me, bonding a montage, bonding nuns, colorful mural, anti drug. Yeah, yeah. We were still coming off of the Nancy Reagan "Just Say No" era. Murals were the next step in that campaign. Yeah, murals really are a way to drive home, particularly to this horrible neighborhood that they're all living in. Also, in the '90s, if you wanted to communicate that you were a hip adult to the young, per- the young people, you break danced and. Sister Mary, uh, Sister Mary Patrick has a little bit of a breakdancing moment there. We don't see her like spinning, but yeah. she does the arm motions and she tries. She tries, she which tries. is why everyone likes her so much because she's just going for yeah. it. She was either going to be a nun or a stewardess because she was so cheerful. That's right. That's in the movie. She, 
I just thought that the montage was, I mean, every movie of this time had a montage. You know, Revenge of the Nerds has the montage where they fix up their fraternity house. And it was just built into every movie. This is maybe the best one I've seen. If I, I make love compare this to another San Francisco film montage moment, I'm going to say that this is up there with um, some of the makeover montage moments in another great San Francisco classic that I hope to be discussing here soon, The Princess Diaries. Princess Diaries, that's going to be with uh, Kevin Fagan, who's, I know, surprised. Kevin Fagan, who has the Zodiac drawer. And was... Yes, this goes back to the Zodiac <laughs> podcast. He asked to do The Princess Diaries. He I've saw never it with seen his... The Princess Diaries. He saw it Beth with his daughter. Beth has never seen The Princess Diaries. Stop the presses if we still had them in this building. <laughs> I am amazed. <laughs> they, were, they would actually be right here in this room. All right. Any other any other loose ends, things that we're not mentioning so far before we, we get to Sister Act 2 and uh, whether that's canon? I do want to point out, have we done any of the research into what actually happened at that church following Sister Act? Yeah. Do you know? No, I do what? because the priest involved in that major scandal was the parish priest at my Catholic school oh. um, prior to my being there. Um, around the time my mother and father would again would have been getting married at that church, we were very up to date on all of the shenanigans Father Greenlaw was oh, getting into. Ooh. Well, well, what happened with the church was that it paralleling Sister Act, it almost closed down a couple of years after the movie was filmed. And um, they ended up selling property nearby to save it. And they had a big, I wonder if they had the little like thermometer with the amount of money that you're. The fix our roof fund thermometer. But they did. But it was $8.5 million they needed to fix the church. And St. Paul Cathedrals was fixed. One interesting thing, I went to the website. And it's got a really big website with a lot of different things. History about, I went everywhere. No mention of Sister Act. How is that possible? Why do they want to run away from Sister Act? I think this new pope especially would embrace Sister Act. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, Sister Act 2. Oh. And the, and the musical, are they canon? Do we even acknowledge their existence? Sister Act 2 is, is canon. It's still within the same universe. Uh, the musical, they try and, um, they didn't have the rights to the Motown songs. So they said it in like disco era Philadelphia and Dolores is an upcoming disco queen and no, the, the musical doesn't work. I mean, there's a couple of good standout songs, but it, it exists on a different plane for me than the uh, Sister Act film universe does. Now, Beth, I know, has some, has some very strong thoughts on the sequel. Sister Act 2, here's my problem. Dolores Van Cartier stays kind of a nun. And my big... One of the things I love about Sister Act 1 is that it's so respectful of nuns, of priests, of Catholics... And to have, once Dolores Van Cartier is outed as she was hiding here, she's not really a nun, she never wanted to be a nun, but it, it all worked out for, win-win. Um, she stays with this group of nuns, moving along with them, still wearing the habits. Now we're moving into... This is Sister Act 2, back in the habit? Wasn't that right, in the name? Right, she shouldn't be back in the habit at all this right. point. It's a, it's not appropriate. It's Technically, yeah, it's disrespectful at that point right. if, she's, if her life is not in danger. But it's the pri- but the priest at that high school would not have accepted a lay teacher. That's what we call non non religious teachers in right. Catholic school. Then, I did not feel any of your '90s pain in Sister Act One. I felt it quite strongly in Sister Act Two, particularly when they ruin the last song with the rap portion 
Do you not remember this? Yeah, I didn't see the movie. I'm gonna be oh. honest. So. <laughs> oh, I'm they, they, they wrap Beethoven's uh, joyful, joyful. Right. Which you know, if you ever listen to Beethoven and go, you know, there's something missing from this. It, it apparently it was wrapped. The A white kid rapping. A white Frank K. Right. Frank K. The white rapper. I mean, who I think opened the door for Eminem, and I have very mixed feelings about that. Well, I, I'm glad I missed it. Well, how, how did Noe Valley look? It, it wasn't, wasn't in Noe, it wasn't Valley. In Noe Valley. They were in Chinatown. Oh. Well, I, Sister Act 2, I I mean, I guess, like, does within the canon, do we accept them as canon, mean that it's in the same... Meaning that the events happened in, in this universe? I, I accept I guess. that. I don't think it's something that Dolores Van Cartier puts on her bio, though. Like, I assume in, in the universe where these people were real and Dolores is still working today in Vegas, I think she glosses over that part. But I think she does very proudly talk about her time, you know, like on, in the cloth, as it were, in the first it's movie. It's no Godfather too. Would you accept with the right writers and the right script a Sister Act 3? Maybe Sister Mary Patrick's and you, Beth, are you okay? Well, <laughs> you could Beth and I write it? Or Beth and I involved think, in the production? Let me, let me go here. Now, maybe uh, Sister Mary Patrick is in charge. They've got to save the church. They bring Dolores back. No? This nothing? This would have to be one hell of a Sister Act 3 to recreate the magic of Sister Act 1, which means transporting me back to 1992 and my innocence. Yeah, I would not. I would. It would be tough for me to see a Sister Act three. I'm trying to think about other movies that we should do. Um, other movies we should do for the San Francisco. Copycat. Copycat. Copycat is a great Copycat. one. Copycat. Princess Diaries. Beth has been pushing for Copycat. Who's a good mix for Copycat? Who do we have? Kevin, Kevin. obviously. Okay. Because it's it about was, serial killers. Um, and I did Zodiac with Kevin, your podcast, and Copycat was also on his list, which I was very excited to see. It's so underrated. So few people talk about it in the San Francisco collection of movies. I like that. I like it. I push for Princess Diaries with Kevin because I would love to hear Kevin's thoughts on Princess Diaries. He, he was really, he got emotional about it. It's, his daughter was involved and we were talking about Zodiac. And and col- uh, San Francisco Chronicle columnist Willie Brown has a cameo in it too. Wow. I'm also going to push for What's Up Doc, Barbara Streisand's movie that Bogdanovich directed in uh, homage to 1930s screwball comedies. That is a great San Francisco movie. And frankly, you you need to have me on to do my Streisand impersonation. Okay. that It involves a wig and some Lee Press-On nails. I would not miss that. Maybe Leah Garchik. Well, awesome. I, I like those. We'll get it together. Uh, thank you very much for coming on with Sister Act. I hope we're still friends. I know I was a little critical, but you guys, I was getting a lot of looks. Sister Act is the only one that I really feel like I'm protective of it. I am I am protective of, of this movie to an extent. It's not a perfect film, but you know what? It's perfect for Beth and I. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I would like to leave in honor of you and Sister Act with, uh, could we sing it out? Are we going to have music? I am no, it's just point. us. Okay. Oh. Tony, you start. I'll jump in. Hail, holy queen and throne above. Oh, Maria. Hail, mother and mercy and of love. Oh, Maria. 
Triumph all ye cherubs. Cherubim with a sweet seraph. Seraph. Heaven and earth resound the hymn. You are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Thank you to my guests, Tony Bravo and Beth Spotswood. Executive producer is Fernando Diaz, and our editor-in-chief is Audrey Cooper. Our music is The Tide Will Rise by the Sunset Shipwrecks off their album, Community. Read our columns and subscribe to the Chronicle at www.sfchronicle.com. San Francisco Chronicle podcasts are on Apple Podcasts and other streaming services. Listen at www.sfchronicle.com slash podcasts with an S. Is that Barry or is that it's Bill? Barry. Oh, Barry, come on in. Sorry. Don't okay, ever I not come you, in here. I waved you away too soon. Tony told him to leave. Tony told no, him I, no, to I, leave? No, I did this, and I don't know how what this meant, if it meant. Barry, really quick as you walk by, just in the mic, your thoughts on Sister Act, the movie. You got to get close. Oh, the first one was doable. The rest, I'm not so sure. The re- Thank you. The rest. Barry Hodge. Is there, is there another sequel we're not aware of? No, Sister Act 2 and the, and the musicals. Yeah, always come in here. You're good. Um, um, other movies we should do for the San Francisco? Copycat. Copycat. Copycat.